0: Hello, this is Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Welcome to episode 19. This month, Worley and Danina are tackling the issue of a complaining spirit. This second episode is called Counteracting a Complaining Spirit. Hey, I know that you're used to hearing an excerpt from this week's episode right now, but this week we wanted to do something different and encourage you to check out RedeemedHeartsMinistries.com. There you'll find blog posts and more podcast episodes from Worley and Danina. Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for speaking. If you're a pastor or a ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you'd like to do a custom special event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to the Redeemed Hearts podcast today to learn and grow and invest in your spiritual life. So, without further ado, here's Willie and Danina today.
1: Welcome back. We're happy to get to be here and complete uh, part two of the podcast we did last week. And you've had a week, if you've listened to that one on complaining, you've had a week to really. Think about what we shared as far as uh, just having an attitude of complaining and some of those underlying issues.
2: And you know, Danina, some people are going to listen to these and they're going to do it one day and then the next. And mm-hmm. so they may be listening to this and not really having had that time. But mm-hmm. here's the point we're going to make is this is a tough issue mm-hmm. and complaining occurs in all of us. And it's something that we want to give today to people to really be able to combat. Um, this attitude of complaining. Mm
1: -hmm. And so today is part two of that podcast that we talked about last time about guarding our hearts against complaining. And we looked at that in Exodus 14 through 16 and Numbers 11 through 14, where we kind of highlighted some of those stories about Israel complaining. And we looked at, at those root issues, how their complaining really came from them Forgetting God uh, originated from just a heart of impatience, of craving, and yielding to that craving, of competing and comparing. And we also, in that, saw that complaining that goes unaddressed is contagious, and it impacts others, and it sets a serious tone, and it, it can set just an exhausting, wearisome tone if you're around somebody who is finding fault constantly with everything you do, or you know, everything that's going on. It, there's just a real heaviness to have someone who has a spirit.
2: And you know, I just start real urging. It's just, you know, let's, let's be attentive to this. It starts with me before the Lord, with the Lord, dealing with my own heart. And I need some help from others to point this out or to understand it. But ultimately, I have to deal with this before God.
1: Mm-hmm. And we talked about that last time that God hears it's never hidden from him and it aroused anger in him and that there were consequences that um, came as a result of, you know, some of the people in the nation of Israel being characterized by a heart that complained.
2: And for believers, the consequences isn't hell. It's not eternal death. Hmm. You've been delivered through the blood of Christ as you've placed faith in Jesus, but it. Um, for the believer can be disciplined because God is after our hearts to be holy, to be right with him and to experience the joy and the peace and the, you know, the forgiveness and the love that he has for us. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to deal with this. And we don't, God doesn't take pleasure in, in, in putting us through difficulty or, you know, discipline. but he will. There will be consequences to this in the, in us.
1: And we talked about how it's not enough to just say, well, you know, I'm not going to complain on the outside mm-hmm. with my tongue, with my words, because, I mean, God sees our heart and, um, you know, that attitude is still present and impacting um, us personally. If we just make a behavioral change, but our heart is still complaining and hard internally, it's going to, It's going to impact me. And, uh, but it's also going to still, you know, like you shared for you, would come out more with a moodiness or impatience or short temper. So we discussed even in the last one kind of a little bit of introvert, extrovert stuff there. So as we start today in this podcast, we really want to um, dive in here and talk about several things. And, and, and most of all that we're going to talk about today are the more internal things, um, ways that we can combat. Um, the spirit of complaining, and do this battle against the spirit of
2: complaining, and they're internal because God deals with us in our hearts. It starts in the heart, and and as believers with a redeemed heart, we can do this, and He's given us these tools, if you will, to do so. And we've list we we have several here that we want to talk about. I don't think this is a all to end all lists, but um, these are the ones that we've come up with that we were going to discuss in this podcast. Patience, faith, grieving, humility, thankfulness, and contentment. So let's dive in.
1: So the first one that we just want to encourage you as you're trying to counteract a spirit of complaining is to practice patience. And we we looked at this, how the lack of patience with God and his working was one of the things that um underlies complaining in all of us and we saw this where israel had only been in the land 3 days uh, after coming out of being delivered from egypt and all the hardship there and they started complaining because of the bitter waters at meribah and the, you know then the next part we looked at was in numbers 11 through 14 and only 13 months into their journey they are then complaining Again, so just practically, one of the things areas that we think in is, and we encourage you to think about. I mean, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? And is is you know, are you someone who is waiting with patience? And let pain go ahead. Well, because I mean, we we can white knuckle it and just work to be patient, right? But it's never going to last. it just by, you know, trying to make that decision, it's once again, it's an internal heart issue and learning to wait and to, you know, wait without coveting, wait without saying what God's given me right now isn't enough or it's not how I want it or when I want it. And um, quickly, you know, f- turns into the craving that we saw last time.
2: Yeah. And, and so we have to be people who are willing to suffer in difficulty we have to be a people who who embrace it who embrace pain that sometimes pain is our friend in this way that it's something that we um accept as a part of our experience but that doesn't mean we're unhappy and that we're not able to experience joy and the fruit of the spirit that goes with us It just means that you might also feel discomfort and pain and difficulty. I'm thinking of the scriptures that says, so maybe we settle into whatever's going on while we're waiting and and be still, as the scripture says, and know that I am God. You know, the scriptures, the Psalms are full of laments where David cries out to the Lord in his difficulty, but he's waiting. And so that's the point we want to make here is patience, is, you know, is counter, patience counteracts impatience, which the Israelites had none. Mm -hmm. Which led to complaining,
1: complaining spirits. So practicing patience. uh, And we know from 1 Corinthians 13, that patience is one of the ways we show love. Um, We suffer long, suffer um,
2: long. Yep. So the next one would be faith and to counteract complaining is to cultivate a lives of faith to live by faith i'm going to go back to numbers 13 and 14 here and read portions that we read last time and in it we find that joshua and caleb were the the two israelites who were contrasted with the 10 uh spies that god that that were sent out into the land to spy out the promised land so we pick it up in in numbers 13 beginning in verse 30 It says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, and this is after they come back, they're giving a report of the land. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel, a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. And then in chapter 14, verse 3, we pick it up there again, and it says, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader to go back to Egypt. And so no faith on the part of these 10 spies to the point of some ridiculous statements that we are prone to make too. God, Mm -hmm. why did you do this? Why are you doing this to me? Why are we in this situation? Let us go back to the way things were before. And we mentioned last time that their perspective on the way things were before, was totally skewed. So this 10 spies were not living by faith, um, but what we see in Joshua and Caleb, and I'm gonna have you read this response in verse 6. Um, is that they, it's what they believe about God. And so notice this as you read this about God and his power over their obstacles.
1: Verse six, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of jephna who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through is spying, to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them.
2: So the definition in the scriptures for faith is Hebrews 11. 11.1. Uh, one. and it says there the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. So in Joshua and Caleb, there they, there is a, an assurance and a conviction, an assurance in who God is, and in a conviction about who God is in in all of this. And so that that's what we're saying here,
1: and that changed their entire perspective I mean these 12 spies went into the same land they saw all of the same things they saw the same people in the land um, and you know the same insurmountable obstacles but they came away with a very unique, you know, perspective, the 10 verses, um, Joshua and Caleb. And none of them at that time could see how God would overcome these obstacles and give them the land, but only Joshua and Caleb responded in faith with an assurance and a conviction that God would give them the land. So they weren't able to see the future any more than the, you know, other spies, but their faith was based in God telling them what he was going to do. And, you know, for us, that's in his word and also based in experience where we've seen God work before in our life or in someone else's life. And because they had all seen God help them many times. So he delivered them from the mighty Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea for them to cross on dry land. He defeated the Amorites and the people of Bashan. And, you know, in, in all of that, these 10 spies who represented all of Israel, lacked faith because they didn't take God at His word, nor, nor were they able to translate their previous experiences into their present challenge. And, you know, really, it makes me think of an illustration when we were four-wheeling in Colorado one time, and I, um, we were with my parents, and it, the sun got really bright as we were kind of coming down the side of the mountain, and I didn't have my sunglasses and I was kind of having an issue with my eye, and I don't know if you remember this, but um, my mom said, well, I have an extra set of sunglasses. And so she um, found some in her four-wheeler, gave them to us, and and we're you know going down the mountain, the sun's changing, and I just kept saying to you, oh my goodness, the color is so beautiful. Do <laughs> you remember this? Yeah. I just kept going on and on and on about, I mean the coloring right now is just, I mean, of the leaves and the trees and the sky, it's just amazing. And so I said, will you stop? I need to take a picture. So I get off the four-wheeler, get my camera or my phone out to take a picture. And in order to take the picture, I take those sunglasses and I lift them up and put them on my head. (laughs) And
2: it, it, they oh, look knew, anything. Yeah, it wasn't quite as anything
1: pretty. the same, because I was not used to having sunglasses. That I mean, these they had
2: a tint. Yeah, to they
1: had a golden tint to them, and so um, it cha- it changed my entire perspective um, because of the glasses that I had on. And I think about that with these spies. Is I mean, you and I were seeing the same thing, but mm-hmm. I had these glasses on that you know just gave me this perspective. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's what faith does mm-hmm. for us. It's us looking at life through those lens, the lens of faith changes um, our perspective, where for you know Joshua and Caleb, they were able to see the victory that was theirs.
2: And so faith is something that is cultivated in every believer over time in two ways. It's through God's word. we, we take him at his word. Now, none of us ever fully do that all at once. It's something that happens over time, but it's through his word and then through experiences that we have Mm -hmm. with him that are true because of his word. Mm -hmm. And we were to remember those experiences. And so the perspective that we have should grow into assurance and into conviction. A new believer is not going to have a lot of assurances mm-hmm. or conviction. But if you've been walking with the Lord very long, this part of us should be growing. And this is, it—is it, is, if we're attentive to our faith growing, it will help us with this complaining part of us. Um, and, and sometimes we have to borrow other people's
1: faith. I think about mm-hmm, that in, in this really story. really hard times. Yeah, because, um, I mean, if those 10 who were fearful would have... Listened to Joshua and Caleb and, you know, been humble enough to hear what they had to say. I mean, they could have borrowed their faith. Right,
2: because they couldn't see it.
1: Because they couldn't see it. Um, <clears throat> but instead, their complaining became contagious and it spread throughout the whole nation.
2: Yeah, and, and let's be honest. Most of us live from fearful experience to fearful experience or one loss or disappointment to the next. Mm-hmm. And we forget God who does a work in those experiences. And then we go on and we're praising God for a day or a week or a month. And then all of a sudden we're back and something else happens. And that's really what happened to them. The, the stubbornness and rebelliousness and the, the, the ten spies who represented all of Israel had forgotten All that God had done for them, and they didn't take God at his word that he was going to do what he clearly had seen he had the power to do. So, the question for us is are we able to carry our experience of him from one situation to the next? I mean, if we can do this, we can, we will see our faith grow and strengthen, and it'll counteract this spirit that that complains. And instead of complaining in our difficult circumstances and the overwhelming obstacles, we should see those as opportunities to draw near to God and talk to him about what's going on and give him our concerns and our fears. I was struck this morning as I was reading in, in Luke 18, and Jesus tells a story about faith. And he says, it, he, he compares it to the woman who went before the unrighteous judge and she pestered the unrighteous judge for um f- freeing um I think it was her son mm-hmm. in that story and he finally relented and the unrighteous judge said he relented not because of the rightness or wrongness but because of this woman who kept pestering him and Jesus uses that to story that says if an unrighteous judge will respond to the pestering of that woman, how much more so does the holy God respond to the pleas of his people? And then he ends the story by saying, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Mm -hmm. And so the way we practice our faith is this continued persistence in going before the Lord and talking to him instead of complaining
1: and we can become weary in the areas that we're waiting yes this is why we talked about patience yes and then going into faith and that story has always you know spoken to me as it pertains to my sister and many of you who listen have followed um, her blog um, rest in green meadows but we I mean, we have prayed and prayed and prayed for healing for her. She got um a very serious cancer at age 34. And we're 10 years now. Right <clears throat> down the road. And God has sustained life, but he has chosen to sustain life with cancer. Yeah. Um, in cancer, in suffering, not um in remission. And uh, so there's a temptation because in the last couple of years, it has spread. I mean, it's been in her, um, it had spread to her lungs. It's been, she's had a spot in her brain. She's had a spot in her neck. She's had a spot in her tailbone. Her pancreas was impacted. And then, you know, it, it starts to feel like there's there's not a lot of hope here. Um, but our family has just kept praying and praying. And so I think of this story because we've just had a miracle with her where she went to her doctor and was told that she's in remission. And I, I just I, I think about that because if we had grown weary in our faith mm-hmm. and not continued to pray, asking, I mean, um we, I mean, I don't know. You it, know it makes we, me think about this,
2: right? And what would have happened, Danina, is um, we would have been the one. We're because of the persistence. we're the recipients of of God's, you know, work in seeing His work, um, and He's been developing our faith. Yes. He's, he's answered the prayer of healing, in this way, rather than what early on one might have said, well, God didn't heal her because, you know, she still had to fight cancer for so long. You know, I think about it this way, and, and we all need to strengthen our muscle of faith and being persistent with God, that God has the power to deliver us in our trials. Mm-hmm. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, if he, he can do anything that we face today, And the Bible is full of his power and stories. But here's the thing, it's his choice as to what he does. It's always his choice. Mm -hmm. And if he lets something remain, or lets a process be hard, we can still experience the rewards of persistent prayers of faith by experiencing his peace and his presence. Mm -hmm. And we both know that through the you know, ten years of what we've been through with your sister. There's been there's been some down moments, mm-hmm. but, the, but God has sustained us. He's just sustained the this, you know the encouragement of the hearts of of those involved. So I think sometimes what we need is the courage that be, is to believe that God's way is best, no matter what. Think about Jesus. That before he went to the cross, he prayed, "Father, remove this cup." and
1: but thy will be done
2: thy will be done
1: which is i mean in this particular circumstance how we have we have prayed for christy uh, all of these years and I so mean,
2: yes so faith has been strengthened mm-hmm. and in that you know in hebrews twelve two, it says that for the joy set before him he jesus endured the cross, endured the cross. Mm-hmm. so father remove this cup Thy will be done. But then he went to the cross in in sorrow and in joy, mm-hmm. in great joy. And so, faith being developed in us can contain joy and should contain joy amidst sorrow, even if God doesn't work it out like we like like we'd like for Him to. And that's the opposite of a spirit that complains. And grumbles and is miserable because of whatever the circumstances are.
1: There's a surrendered heart um,
2: that God's developing.
1: Yes, and and as we wait once again, and and you know, really, we know a lot of very faith-filled, courageous yes, people whose prayers to God haven't been answered in the way that they've wanted. Um, that's we've we've been those people um, at times. And But we know these people have continued to draw near to him. And in doing so, it's only caused their hope in him to intensify and their assurance about him to strengthen and their conviction about his word and his promises to deepen. So we've talked about uh, a, a counteraction to complaining is to practice patience and to wait. Um and to wait well, not just wait, but to wait well with it, with an attitude that's not full of complaining. And then um, our second counteraction to complaining that we've spent a fair amount of time here is to live by faith. And this is where we remember God and we believe God and where he's constantly strengthening our faith.
2: As we um, persevere as, yeah. with him, towards him, Yes, through the The prayers that we give to them and just the walking with them.
1: And sometimes we have to borrow other people's faith. You may need to tell somebody, I'm struggling. You know, would you pray for me? Um, Where have you seen God work? Would you remind me? I mean, in Christy's story, that's been, you know, definitely true of having to remember God. Um,
2: And like we said, this is to, to, to not be a complainer. I mean, this is a battle. And But think about one, this area of faith and battling that so that I don't complain. Then pray like crazy. And, and then think of the people that aren't able to pray for themselves that are on your prayer walls that you have at church or the prayer groups you're in. That's what you're doing. You're going before the Lord on behalf of people who who may not be able to do it for themselves. So we spend more time on faith than we will any one of these that are a counteraction, but I think it's a real foundational thing. So let's go to the next one. And it's what, another way to counteract um, complaining is through grieving. And grieving occurs when we sorrow or lament over something painful or sad or difficult in our lives. I think people know what grieving is. Mm-hmm. And we encourage people to grieve losses all of the time in our counseling or spending time with people. It's one of the ways that we adjust to what's going on. But it is important when we grieve that we do so in the right direction. And, Fro. So from the same passage in Numbers 14 that we just talked about, we draw this principle about grieving in the people of Israel. There, they grieve in their lack of faith, and then their grief, though, turns into complaining. And yet Moses and Aaron grieve, but theirs is a sorrow over their sinfulness. Mm -hmm. So in Numbers 14, one to three, it said, and this is the people of Israel and what what they do in their grief. It says all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we have died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in the wilderness. So their grieving is a complaining And what we know from the rest of the story and from our last podcast, their hearts never changed Mm
1: -hmm.
2: through that whole period of time. They never changed. Mm
1: -hmm. So we see here that the people mourned and they cried, but the significant thing is they were more upset over their difficulty than over their unbelieving, grumbling heart toward God. So we'll contrast this with Moses and Aaron and chapter 15, verse five, where it says, then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And it goes on to say that they tore their clothes and that Moses interceded for them before the Lord. So as you said, really, we need to mourn over, over losses, but we must mourn hearts of rebellion and sin first, um, lest our own hearts become hardened. And this is a principle found in 2 Corinthians seven ten, where it says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So grieving is a way that we can counteract complaining uh, and, and, and protect our hearts from that bitterness and complaining spirit. But we, we need to make sure we're grieving about the right things.
2: Yeah, and in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So the next one we're going to cover is in counteracting complaining is, is simply humility. And so let's let's talk a little bit about humility.
1: So we'll look at Numbers twelve, three, where it says Moses was very humble more than all the people on the face of the earth. This is an important attitude to deal with craving and to deal with the complaining spirit. And in in this in numbers twelve, we see that Miriam and Aaron had become jealous. We talked about this in the last podcast of Moses. They're his older siblings, and the fact that God had spoken only. Uh, to Moses uh, and through Moses was bothering them. They'd like to be involved in that process. They wanted some credit. And the story says that when God heard that Miriam and Aaron thought this, he called a meeting of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. And God appeared to them in a pillar of cloud and he spoke to them saying, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed.
2: I can just see that scene that there's uh, Miriam and Aaron, and they're, they're complaining about the place that, that Moses has. And I think of siblings that might be complaining about one of the siblings, you know, getting favor in the other ones. And then, and then God calls this meeting. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine being called to that mm-hmm. meeting? And in it, God basically says, Moses is the most, he's humble. Mm -hmm. And that just, you know, that's just, um, and I speak to him face to face. Whether Moses was humble because he'd been in the presence of God, surely he was. Or whether God chose to use him because he was humble, I think that goes hand in hand. In either case, the character quality of humility is essential for all of us in this dealing with these hearts of complaining. Proverbs three thirty four and James 4, 8, both say God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the verse in Proverbs 3 uses a word for pride there. It's the word scornful um, in some translations, and it carries the idea in the original of a person who looks down on others for what they do or don't do. And so, When we complain, we're being proud, but who is it we're looking down on? Very often it's God, being scornful toward God because he's not coming through for us in the way we think he should. He's not providing for us in what we think he should, and so it's this attitude of looking down on him, and God is not pleased when we look down on him for what we think he should be doing. And that's what happens to us when we complain. We're being scornful toward God. And in this story I don't Aaron, really
1: like thinking about that.
2: No, but it, you <laughs> yeah. shouldn't. And we that's, shouldn't.
1: Yeah.
2: Aaron and Miriam's jealousy mm-hmm. in this story is a contempt toward Moses, but it was really about their scorn towards God. Mm-hmm. God did favor Moses. God did talk to Moses because God chose to do it that way. Could have easily chose either one of them, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And there's reasons that he did. Um, But what we do when we crave and complain is we disregard God and we're we're, we're being scornful towards him.
1: So as you're talking about one of the ways that we counteract complaining would be humility. I think a, a practical way that we do that is praying. It's through prayer. It's where I'm placing myself under God. You know, through prayer all day long, just talking to Him. Right, and and rather
2: instead of being scornful to God,
1: yeah, instead of complaining about God, where I may not even recognize that's what I'm doing, but I am. I'm I'm going to complain to God. I'm gonna to, going to give Him what's going on in my heart. And Moses. Saw, in these stories, he always talked to God about what was happening or what he was struggling with. If you read these passages, we haven't even had time to develop that, but we we do see in Numbers 11 too, and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire that out of God's anger that he had set around the camp um, died down. And he he was just in a constant relationship with God. And And often I think the way I practice my faith in humility with prayer, is I will often, when I'm maybe feeling discouraged or my heart is struggling with complaining, I will pray, you know, a prayer back, um, remembering what God's, what He has done and thanking Him for what He has um, done in all of that. But I'm giving Him what I'm discouraged about, what I'm struggling with in that process, but also, you know, reminding myself of who God is. And
2: if you do that with the attitude of acceptance or a desire for acceptance, it it will soften your heart. I remember when we lived in California, right, you know, in the early years of Taylor's life and nothing was going right in my day. My work was very stressful. I was in sales and the jobs were not coming. I didn't like what I was doing and the freeways were crazy. And (laughs) I was driving and I was, you know, and, and I was miserable and I was just in that mood. And so I just started talking to God as I drove. And and this is very clear to me in this instance. I think it's occurred numerous times throughout my life since then, and probably before then. But in this instance, I was just telling him, directly, the things that I was struggling with, the things that I was upset about, the things I wish were different. And I remember as I was doing it, I was being reminded of how David would often pray as he did it. And he would acknowledge who God was while he was telling him these things. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was the, a spirit of peace and calm came over me. And I was so grateful for that, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that what was happening there was it was the complaining to God with an attitude of acceptance towards whatever it was that he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But that describes what we're talking about mm-hmm. here, that, that, that there's humility towards God um, that would contrast or counteract the attitude that was just complaining about. Things. Mm-hmm. So the next one is um, thankfulness. To counteract complaining, we 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 encourage just an attitude in a heart and an action of thankfulness. Charles Spurgeon once said, if we complain less and were more thankful, we would be happier and God would be more glorified. We've heard the expression that uh, to have an attitude of gratitude. And when the word thankful is used in the Old Testament, it means this, but it means so much more. It carries the idea of not just having an attitude, but of a confession, an admission of what is true. And that confession is verbal. It's a proclamation. So to give thanks in the Old Testament was to proclaim what was true about God and about life and about circumstances. And that's why the relationships between thanks and praise in the Psalms is often interchangeable. You can't tell are they praising, or are they thanking? It's it's this proclamation, this confession. Not only do I have a grateful attitude, but I verbally confess what is true about God, what he's doing in and through my circumstances. In other words, I cannot be thankful without attributing to God his place in my provision. Um, it's one of the major things that anger God in their complaining about what they didn't have was that they forgot who he was and what he'd done for them. Psalm 86, 10, isn't it? an example of one expressing their heart of thankfulness in a very personal way. It says there to God, For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Untie my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever.
1: Another way we can apply thankfulness uh, to combat complaining, I think, is to combat—I mean, to combat complaining is to thank God for everyday things. And Spurgeon also says, Every day, thank God for ordinary mercies. We refer to them as ordinary, and yet they are so priceless that without them we are ready to perish. Let us thank God for our eyes with which we see the sun, for the health and strength to walk around, for the bread we eat, for the clothes we wear. Let us thank him that we are not among the hopeless or confined among the guilty. Let us thank him for liberty, for friends, for family associations and comforts. Let us praise him, in fact, for everything that we receive from his generous hand. For although we deserve little, his providence and abundance. He provides in abundance. So we're combating a complaining spirit with thankfulness. Yeah, we
2: just take the time through the day to notice and, and and acknowledge all the different things he's done we won't go there but psalm 136 is a psalm that tells us it it models for us how to do this because in that psalm they they refrain in it it's repeated over and over and over again is that his steadfast love endures forever mm-hmm. every morning the sun rises and that sun provides warmth it provides light and if it didn't rise, we would be in trouble. So we thank God for that very thing that 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 the the sun comes up. We have the provisions because of that son of, you know, food and water and so forth. Um, It's that idea that every day you go through life and go through experiences where God has done something or given something in ways that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. And really that's what the psalm bears out, is that God's enduring love is with us every day. And so we thank him for everything we can think of, Throughout the day, and that's why you know the practice of praying at mealtime is a good practice because we're thanking God, we're pausing
1: for every day,
2: for Mm -hmm. everyday things.
1: And I know for me, sometimes when I feel like there's very little I can find that feels good in my circumstances, sometimes I thank God for the suffering and for the stress and for the pressure. That reminds me that I need Him. That's a prayer I will pray often uh, because I can be thankful for that, that those circumstances, while I can't be thankful for those circumstances, I can be thankful that they remind me that I'm not God. They remind me I I, I don't have what it takes to do this life apart from Him.
2: You know, and it, your your comment there makes me think about the fact that we, we don't have to feel good mm-hmm. to thank God. Right. And we don't have to feel good to, to counteract complaining. We're going to counteract the complaining um, when we don't feel good, by, and, and the feelings may continue. Uh, and we
1: know in counseling, it it helps tremendously sometimes to just have people make a um, that are depressed or just really struggling to. I mean, practically make a thankfulness list. Yeah, you know, every day. I mean. Come up with five things that you're thankful for, um, and it 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 can it can change your brain, literally in how you think and how you go through the day. So the next one we're going to look at um, to counteract, uh, and really our last one here that we're looking at to counteract complaining is going to be contentment.
2: Yeah, so contentment speaks of in the scriptures of a sufficiency in what one possesses. Contentment is a willingness to accept and be thankful for God's gifts and provisions while you wait on him to do what he intends to do. Let me repeat that, and you may have to mull over this. Contentment is a willingness to accept and be thankful for God's gifts and provision while you wait on him to do what he intends to do. And contentment, Paul um talks about this in a verse you're about to read, but that it is actually something we choose. And when we choose to be satisfied with God's provisions for, for the moment or for the season, while we're waiting on him to, to do what he intends to do.
1: And it makes me think of when you read that definition about contentment, a willingness to accept and be thankful for, Is opposite of coveting, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, an Mm -hmm. unwillingness to accept that what God has chosen to provide for me today Mm -hmm. is enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't believe that, that he's giving me um, enough today.
2: And that's a real, and it's a real, you know, kind of, all of this requires that we think Mm -hmm. about accepting what he's given me. So to go back
1: sufficient.
2: Yeah. To go back to the illustration you gave last time and talked about, so you desire chocolate and sometimes, uh, so to desire chocolate is not a bad thing, but will you be content if what you have is a little bit of chocolate and not more and more and more? And, and so the,
1: Well, Jennifer Rothschilds had a health coach on her podcast I've been listening to, and he says um, you can have 32 chocolate chips a day. Okay. So I have to be content with that, is what he says.
2: But the point I'm making is, is there's nothing wrong with the desire. It's just when that desire becomes covetousness, it goes beyond what God's given to you and wisdom that says, you know, I got to stop at 32. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't go beyond that. I'm going to be content with this is to go beyond that is not good for my body.
1: So here we're combating complaining by choosing to be content um, rather than complain. And then the other significant thing is that Paul says in Philippians 4 that it's something that we he was learning. And he mm-hmm. said, I'm not speaking of being in need, for I've learned. In whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So we we don't arrive at this idea of contentment. It's something that we are constantly learning. And that always gives me hope. Like, yeah, I, it, this is a daily learning um, to be
2: content. Right. So I, and I'm glad you bring that up because while it is a choosing, um, we're not, nobody's arrived. Right. We're, we're in a process. Paul says in Timothy six, first Timothy six, six, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we can take, no, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into all kinds of ruin and destruction. And for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And that last sentence sounds like what we've been saying about the Israelites. You know, they had manna but they hit a point and they were craving and that turned into this temptation that they gave into that led to their complaining, being dissatisfied with what God had provided. I like how the writer of Proverbs 30 prays for contentment in verses eight and nine. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for, for, for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name, my God.
1: I think the writer of Hebrews gets to the heart of contentment also when he says in chapter 13, verse 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never
2: leave you nor forsake you. And that's, that's really what's, he's with us at all times, and that's what enables our contentment. Jesus is always with us. We never have reason to be fearful or dissatisfied for what is currently in our possession. The creator of all things is always with us. And because of that, our resources are endless, whether we realize that or not. Our problem is never not having enough. Our problem is in our need to be content with him in whatever he chooses to give us. Mm-hmm. Being content with what God has provided for us, or perhaps not provided for us, is a major way in which we come back complaining.
1: Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hands and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Wow. I love that quote.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, So as we come to a closing here, uh, let's you know, just remember uh, what, what things we've talked about that we can counteract this attitude of complaining with. We talked about counteracting it with patience, with faith, with grieving, with humility, with thankfulness and contentment. And we'll all need God to help us do that.
2: All right. Thank you all.
0: Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit Ministries.com. Hey, Worley and Danina wants you to know that they are available for public speaking. If you're a pastor or ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you would like to do a custom event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.